Welcome to the Batphone Podcast, where we talk about combat sports, comic books, gaming, pop culture, and anything else my friends want to talk about. Hosted by yours truly, Nick Batman Hughes. Alright, picking up the Batphone this week is, uh, who's come to be a good friend of mine now, is Nathan Kane from Okami Hapkido. Now this is a bit of a special edition of the Batphone podcast, it's the first time I've had cameras pointed at me, so I'm going to try and be as, as natural as I can possibly be, but the other reason why it's a special edition is because it's a sit-down between an MMA coach and someone who's had a combat sports background and a traditional a martial arts exponent who has had years within the industry both of you know uh, Hapkido and the Budo path and Aiki and all of these things that are within that ethos but also uh, real life applications of these things in, yeah. in the world of security in the world of, of bouncing and I guess right at the outset I mean <laughs> it, it's important to remember I, I suppose the best way to set a premise for the conversation is pertaining to context, yes. right? So context is that's kind of like starting at the end, at the beginning. If we'd yeah. never spoken before whatsoever and we were being respectful and we were not being adversarial, we'd likely get to a point where we agreed upon context being the key point uh, to understanding 100%. our separate perspectives. Yeah. So the people who listen to the podcast generally know who I am and what my background is. Uh, I'm an MMA guy, I'm a combat sports guy, you know, but I was also an athlete, you know, I started swimming at a very young age, rugby, a lot of different sports, uh, so I have an athletic base, and then Muay Thai came at 12 years old, Greco-Roman freestyle wrestling at 14, 15, Jiu-Jitsu at 17, I travelled extensively, I wrestled, I have came back and started an MMA career as a professional fighter and a professional athlete, I then went on and retired, and now I'm a full-time coach, and I'd probably add to that, given the context of what we're going to talk about, that application-wise, grappling is my preference, mm-hmm. right? It's a preference. It's what I like to do. It's yep. what I like to participate in. So uh, within that context, it's likely my bias also, and I think that's okay. It's, it's absolutely fine to like things, you know what I mean? Yeah, to like and yeah. enjoy things. And you can... And we can come back that point yeah of course because everyone's going to have that type of thing but uh within that and in the vein of portraying context whenever i speak to mma athletes or if someone comes in the door who wants to train to fight or wants to train to wrestle or learn these techniques i have to surmise the situation you know pretty generally and pretty regularly what are they here for uh, and what do they understand about the sport? Do they understand that it is a sport? Do they think that their techniques that they're going to learn are going to translate to the street? So when we talk about fighting, and again, you'll clarify this from your own perspective, but we're talking about two consenting parties. If yeah. we're talking about combat or violence, we're generally not. Yeah. We're not talking about two consenting parties. And if we're talking about a professional fight or a professional MMA fight, or even an amateur MMA fight, something that is in a controlled environment, we're talking about two people who are the same weight class, who are the same aggregate skill level, who have been training within the same sort of scope of techniques for the same purpose. And yeah. there's, there's even more variables that we go call into that. that. Same species. Yeah, same species, species right? Same species. Yeah. Uh, and we're over time have added rules to this, you know, this combat, which has made it into a sport. 
So we're both consenting, there's rules. Uh, we try to make it as skillful as possible within this scope of technique that we're allowed to perform. And it's the closest thing to fighting or combat that is what I would refer to as palatable to the public. In its initial phases, it was much less palatable to the public because you could still groin strike and head strike and do whatever you'd like to do, and that was very difficult for people to get their heads around. So you add rounds in, you add rules in, you add a timer as a variable, and this changes the fight as well. In fact, you add a cage and an enclosure to something, yeah. and it changes again. Right? Now this kind of dictates the evolution of your techniques in terms of uh, what is applicable for MMA. And that's what it is. Yep. It's applicable for MMA. Yes. So when I have someone who is learning MMA, it is within my duty of responsibility to remind them that the techniques that we're learning are directly applicable to MMA as a sport specifically, not to go out and use them on the street. If you're shooting double legs on the street, you're going to break your kneecaps. Uh, if you choose to engage in combat on the street and you're from this academy you'll be banned or suspended given yeah. some investigation into the context yeah. of why you engaged in that exactly. activity in the first place yeah, 100%. Uh, so it's again it's within my duty and responsibility to afford that type of context to students who come into the academy yeah. i would assume without knowing okay that you would do the same now a lot of the questions that i would love to go on and ask you today might be good questions Oh, there might be shit questions, man. They, they, they might come out of a place of pure ignorance. And if they do come out of a place of pure ignorance, love, please, please understand that it comes from a place of dude, honesty as questions. well. I love questions. And so. that's what this is all about, man. Like, I want an opportunity to, for you to be able to answer questions in a non-adversarial format. Yeah, yeah. Because if you read comments about traditional martial arts on YouTube you're going to get pretty emotional about it pretty quickly well, we because can, it's people who unpack, don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. what that means yeah. when you say traditional. Like, yeah. you know, so um, I guess one of the things I think people probably misunderstand about me personally is that, you know, because I'm wearing a doggy and I'm teaching a, a, a traditional martial art um, fundamentally, but, you know, over the last 20 years, you know, I've done... Full contact karate. I've mm. done uh, taekwondo. Um, so if I just if I just point towards like the the combat sports stuff that I've I've trained in and um, you know to within a reasonable degree is in like um, I've assisted um, as a sparring partner for professionals when they're getting ready for uh, title fights or competition like. So I've done that sort of thing. Oh, in, last in, week you came out and did wrestling on those mats out there and yeah. did jiu-jitsu on those yeah, mats out so there. Yeah, so I've done jiu-jitsu, I've done judo, I've done um, boxing, um, like in Japan, uh, kickboxing with Steve Peach, um, did some Muay Thai in Thailand, um, yeah, full contact karate, taekwondo, mm. Basically, other than just pure MMA, like you, you name it, and I've, I've, I've played with it. Yeah. So, so, so you're not without understanding. Exactly. So that's, that's the misunderstanding when I say yeah. the things I say. People think, oh, well, you don't know. It's like, no, I do know, man. I've been around yeah. a long time. I've so so given that I afforded the context of my perspective, what would, you, what would you assert is your context from your perspective? My context is everything's good. You just have to understand what you're doing when you're doing it and like what you're doing it for. Mm -hmm. So my thing is like, like if you break martial arts up into a few brackets and you'd have probably 
Well, let's go from the furthest end. The furthest end is like the spiritual, the meditative, the key breathing, the like physical and mental well-being side of things um, that you might see, you know, monks practicing prostrations or uh, all these qigong exercises. All of that is great stuff. It's fantastic. It's going to help with your mental health. It's going to help with your physical health. I noticed, I noticed that you were doing some deep breathing stuff. So, you know, you're a, you're a traditional martial artist now. <laughs> like, well, wrestling's old and traditional, yeah, and yeah. you're doing deep breathing stuff. How are you not a traditional martial artist? Yeah, and look, not wearing a gear. we've spoken in the past as well. I mean, this is not our first conversation, yeah. truth be told. Yeah. And again, it's my preference. I consider myself, now more than ever, a little bit of a grappling historian. I yeah. love the idea of tracing back the lineage of grappling, not only to Japan, but also the the diaspora of techniques that came from Japan when this, this big dispersion of talent and ideas went to the UK, went to Germany, went to Europe, went to America, uh, and also... How it evolved. How it evolved, yeah, yeah. yeah. and how those, all of those techniques were cyclical and they came back around. But also, most traditional cultures that I know have some form of... I mean, most native cultures, my, my, I've misspoken, have a traditional form of grappling ingrained yeah, within them, whether it's Senegalese wrestling or Mongolian grappling. Grappling is yeah. like a very natural thing for people to do. Yeah, it's it's social. Scrapping kind of devolves into some form of... Yeah, yeah some yeah. form of like wrestling. But yeah. it's, it's also very social. Like anytime I see people play fighting and play boxing, you know, like it always ends the same way. Someone yeah. cracks each other, one other guy too hard and then, uh, yeah. and then they get upset. But, you know, if you have social wrestling... It generally ends with a noogie or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit different, but yeah, I think moving forward from that and coming coming at it with that understanding, I'll afford you my perspective. So my perspective on what you do and the way that you teach is that you have to afford people the same context that I do about what you teach. Yeah. And that is ingrained within your teachings. Yes. So I can, I can preface any technique that I teach to a student with that spiel that I gave right before, right? Yeah. But as you're teaching people your techniques and your understanding and your ideas, you have to ingrain it with the, the force of context, right? So the distances change. Yeah. If, if you're... Uh, in a situation where there's multiple attackers and I employ Greco wrestling techniques, I've now become locked into one fight and yeah. I might have a lot of really good wrestling techniques, but now I'm, I'm locked in, right? So for self-defense, the distance changes. Yeah. And, and the level I have, of engagement. The level of engagement that you choose to partake in uh, will directly out have a direct outcome on your potential for receiving damage from outside parties. Well, what, what generally happens is... And it's interesting because you'll see this in a lot of traditional arts. So, um, and, and then, so again, to, to come on then the traditional side of things, so although Apkido is my, my main thing, I've studied Taekwondo, I've studied uh, Okinawan, Shorin Ryu, um, Shorinji Kenpo, Tai Chi Chen, like, like Aikido, like lots of traditional stuff. Um, and even whether it's the Okinawan stuff, the Filipino stuff, you, 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 the same way with the combat sports, you see patterns and you see trends. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the decade of um, real-world violence in the security industries and stuff have given me a, um, a context to be able to connect that that, mm. that um, isn't typically apparent anymore. And mm. I think that's a good thing. Like, 
it says a lot about how safe our societies are today, that people are oblivious to the context. And mm. I think the gap comes from the fact that, like, you know, all of this stuff was just implicit once upon a time. Yeah. That you didn't have to explain to people, oh, you're training because, you know, when we go to walk to the market to buy some veggies, some bandits might come out of the woods, yeah. <laughs> kill me, rape yeah. my girlfriend, take our food and, like... And that was just a normal part of everyday yeah. life when you went places. Mm. Um, so it's like you didn't need to explain to people that like, oh, look, this isn't for a contest or for winning trophies or like these are to get you out of these sorts of things. Yeah. But what's happened is that's become the only way that people contextualize violence. Mm. So the, sorry, conceptualize violence is a fight. A controlled fight. But, but even just the, the, I, the uh, a fight is like, so, you know, you have the guy and then the other guy and then there's kind of like an exchange and a, but that's just one, one way that violence can happen and it's yeah. not even the main way that violence happens. So, so you're not training changes. for fighting. No. You're training for violence. Yes. And so, or the potential for unpredictable violence. Yeah. And here's the thing, right? So when you say that you study an art of non-violence or it's about non, people take that to be some philosophical hippie thing. And sure, there's an element of that, but there's a very um, practical edge to it. You know, that is like, it's, it's, if violence has to be used, then it's used professionally. And, um, I'm thinking because I'm trying to stay on like you know, so <laughs> we're trying to keep yeah, you on one track. There's so many yeah. branches coming off of this that it's like a, a where do you where do you begin? So, but I think I do understand if what you you're saying. You leave me with your questions yeah. and probably help. Better I think I do me. understand what you're saying because encapsulated within the broader context of self-defense is things that are non-violent in terms of being verbal, in terms of diffusing, and things like that. These and because I, I know because I've seen you, I've seen your videos and I've heard you teach. There's things that are going to really resonate with the general public and there's things that are really not going to resonate yeah. with the general public. The things that will are, that, are when you talk about the understanding of diffusing a situation and yeah. the art of diffusing a situation. But what people fail to realise or what it's going to be, you know, it might actually be reasonable for the general population without coming to your classes and without giving you the time that's necessary to develop the understanding yeah. for them not to quite bridge the gap between the physical techniques that you're teaching yeah. and the verbal diffusing skills. And what you've said to me in the past is that those things are linked. Those things are yes. completely linked yes. and ingrained together. Because it's because it's a, an escalation and a de-escalation. Yeah. So it's a wave. It's not like, that's the thing. So, you know, the thing that drives me nuts when you see people, um, and everyone's guilt, like whether it's traditional or combat sport, everyone's guilty of it. And it's like the video with the like, okay, guys, so the guy comes at you and what you're going to do is, and it's like, no, <laughs> no, man, why is he coming at you? Mm. What are we, what are we doing here? Why are we in this situation? You've, you've just skipped ahead of like 12 steps that, that got to this. And then the other thing too, is that, you know, all of these people are looking at the part where they just deliver force. But, like, that's not how the law works. Mm. So it has to be reasonable force, which means that as something escalates and de-escalates, you have to adapt your force accordingly. So you can't just skip to some guy got in my face, so I, like, hit him with a jab, mm. cross, body shot, low kick. <laughs> he fell to the ground and mounted him and started bashing his face. It's like, that. it's not just, like, one black and white setting. Mm. There's this constant um, negotiation, because everything is negotiation. Mm. So it is just the case of we go from verbal which like 
metaphorically speaking, this is diplomacy, right? When diplomacy escalates and breaks down, it turns into war and conflict, right? And in, in uh, uh, conflict resolution, we call this critical. So it's the line where we go from talking and where things can be resolved um, through those means to where a person has essentially lost control and become violent. Um, and and you could, you're no longer able to de-escalate them verbally at that point. Mm -hmm. But as we go through that line, it's still negotiation. We're just now we're physically negotiating. Okay. So we've gone from talking to all right, man. You know, calm down. To you've gotten in, and we're kind of, you know, and then and, and even I mean, you feel it even in a um, sparring scenario. You know, when when egos are getting out of control, and you're like, here, here, someone's hitting you, and you, there's your negotiation. Yeah, like, it's escalation. Fuck off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's there's different variables on escalation. And it's as not well. spoken. Yeah, yeah, it's not spoken because we're in that animal sphere. Yeah. But inevitably, here's the key point, inevitably it also has to come back down. So that critical line, it can dip over it and come yeah, up and up and yeah. but inevitably it comes back down. And as it comes back down, then we go back into yeah. de-escalation and conversation. So it begins okay. at conversation yeah. and it ends at conversation. Yeah, because the end phase in an MMA fight is like, I win and I get my hand raised and I walk out of the cage and I chill with my yeah. opponent later. Yep. The, Potential best case scenario in an MMA fight might be I walk in there, touch gloves, uh, land my setup strikes, get my takedown, and choke a guy out without ever receiving damage or really yep. giving damage to them, right? Yep. Best case scenario in a street self defense situation might be we never come to blows yes. at all. Yes. And that, that really should be the goal, right? If we're talking about rational thought, yeah. that really should be the goal. That should be our first thought. But do you know it's as much? strategic as it is um, ideological because again you know people think of it as sort of a weak non-violent thing but it's like every, the consequences are different man it is but, but also every every apex predator on planet earth avoids unnecessary violence like so it's the behavior pattern of the strong predatorial creature like you're misunderstanding the point there's no there's no uh historical army in the world that has a smaller force rides out sees a uh, a large army and goes ah oh, let's just ride down and clash with them see what happens it's like <laughs> you know they they go let's go around them we don't have to engage this it's stupid to unnecessarily lose men and get yeah. injured so what you're describing to me is a pretty logical scale right and i think for people that are dismissive of self-defense i think they sort of lose sight of the scale but within that there's things that we have to view as reasonable and things that we have to view as unreasonable due to the modern era it's not necessarily reasonable for us to assume that the imminence of threat and danger dictates people's behavior right so people come into an mma gym because they want to learn about combat and they want to learn about self-defense and it's probably reasonable for them to assume that they're going to learn techniques in that gym that will aid them, right? But because no one's shooting at them, no one's trying to chop them up with knives when they walk home, and there isn't imminent threat. Well, until they are. But, until they are, yeah. but because that's the lower percentage of their experience as a human being, the, the, um, the draw for them to enter into a self-defense gym scenario and give it the same type of respect is actually lower. Yeah. And that's because of what we're not warfaring nations. We're not internally warfaring nations now. That doesn't mean it's unreasonable to assume that the techniques that you're teaching 
aren't effective mm -hmm. and aren't logical because they are. But the, the scale that I was talking about before and something that, you know, when I put out questions, people ask me to ask you is first thought. So I am very aware that if I teach someone MMA, mm -hmm. I may run the risk of influencing their first thought. So okay. their instinct. Yep. So if they're confronted with a situation outside of the academy in which really they haven't been pre prepared for, yeah. they may assume that they're more capable than they are yes. of handling that situation. So, that's the so if they didn't have that, right, if they didn't have all of that MMA training behind them, mm -hmm. they would likely try and avoid it more, right? Yeah. So they might think, all right, I can beat this guy one-on-one. -on -one. And they might be you correct just, in that it. assumption, yeah. right? They might be correct in that assumption. But their first thought should be, I'm going to try and avoid this danger. And I have to understand that I'm influencing that first thought and instinct. When we talk about things like weapon defense and knife defense, I think people, what I was alluding to before, is they miss the scale. Like People ask me, what is the point in which you would advise someone to employ knife self-defense tactics or not advise someone to employ knife self-defense tactics? Like this, From the scale of... Um, someone pulls out a knife and you can see it to someone already has a knife and they're stabbing you. Yeah. You know, what, where along that scale are you going to employ those knife self-defense yeah. techniques? And further to that, yep. do you influence people's first thought? If you introduce to them the concept of weapon defense, yeah. right? So if I see a knife, I'm like, I have a system to handle that. Whereas if I see a knife, I don't. Yeah. So I'm fucking legging it. Yeah. You know what I mean? What's better? What's more relevant? You know, I, I, think that's, well, I think that's a reasonable question, but yeah. I think I'm very ill-equipped to answer it. Okay, so, um, yeah, because there's like five questions. <laughs> and they're all, and Sorry, they're don't all, let no, me no, talk no, too no, much, no, man. No, I'm going to fucking all, ramble on. They're all good, but like, it's just making it all coherent. Mm. Um, I don't. So, <laughs> well, maybe I'll contextualise it first. So, sure. So, one of the things I should point out is that in my experience, most people don't even know what Hapkido is. Mm -hmm. Like they've never heard of it. They think it's Aikido, and they, they don't they don't um, kind of get what it is. So you know, Hapkido as an art, what it was designed for, and how it came about, and what it's fundamentally been used for on a professional level. Also, how my lineage has come from that is it's never lost its combative function. So the the original uh, founders that comprised the art. Were, all worked as political bodyguards. They trained the Secret Service. Um, the Korean Special Forces picked it up, and they still utilize some of the technique, knowledge combatively. So it's it's um the one of the heads, uh, Grandmaster Chris Garland, which was trained, uh, in, worked in black sites, trained army rangers, like in, in all sorts of techniques and things. So it's what I'm getting at is like those are the people you're speaking to. Yeah, like it's it's um it's. It's still by all means, like it's not to be confused with like dance routines. It's still on, on one scale, it is still used as a battlefield combative art where people are, are using it in professional violence today, in, mm -hmm. you know, in real life as we speak. Um, but that's not every Hapkido. Yeah. That's not, yeah. that's, so again, you know, it's always these things, this is the hard part with traditional martial arts because it's like, when you say that, it's like, well, what do you mean? When you, not all Hapkido is the same Hapkido. Some of it is nothing more, you know, some of it is not combat 
or um, self-defense applicable at all. Mm. Um, and because it's such a big art, you know, like on the one hand, we have the gear, we have the meditation, we have the key breathing. Yeah. And on the other side, you've got knives, gun disarms and all, all this yeah. combative military stuff. People uh, come at it with different focal points and different. Okay. So not all of it is yeah. like seriously combative and it's lost that. And then um, some of the combative stuff doesn't go with spiritual and, and okay. all that. And so, yeah, you, it, it's worth pointing that out first yep. to, to understand that like, it's not a case of you're going to work, walk into any Hapkido school and you're going to be learning like, um, you're going to be getting battlefield knowledge and uh, you know, all these sorts of things. I was very fortunate that, like I said, my, my instructor um, you know, used to bodyguard for the Minister of Foreign Affairs. He was training the police, you know, so like, um, the, you know, we would have special forces guys coming in and out of the, I didn't know it when I was a kid that <laughs> these guys were coming, but um, yeah, you know what I mean? So like, uh, we never lost the function, you know, and then, and then because I went into security and I started using it professionally, um, everything that we teach is this kind of unbroken thread of like the context and the application yeah. is all there, but that's not, I'm saying this to say that that doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be anywhere that you go. Yeah. And that's with any martial art or with anything like. It takes some balls to say that man, to be honest with you, because there might be people out there who um, profess to do what you are doing and simply don't, and simply don't. And well, maybe is, is that, would you say that is a minority or a majority? I would say the majority of martial arts people on any side of the aisle don't understand that, um, like understanding a, a, what, like one tiny aspect of something does not qualify you. Self-defense is the, is the, is the main thing that drives me nuts because the way I explain it to my students is it'd be like me saying, right, like, like I said, I've done combat sport. I know how to spar. I've, I've swam with kickboxers and stuff like that. And we do contact sparring at, at my school. So we like, you know, I can teach you a jab, cross, hook, uppercut, low kick. I can teach you some cool kicks and stuff. But it'd be like me going, look, so if you guys want to win a, a UFC title, what you do is, you know, the way you, the way, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and the way, no, you, and the way it, you're yeah. going to cut weight and, uh, yeah. you know, and like, do your fight hand that... is like, I don't, I don't know, man. I, yeah. have, I've, I haven't done any of that shit. Like, yeah. but the, the level of ego that you see, um, yeah, and, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's worse from the, from the MMA community because it'll go as far as seeing guys watching like, uh, military operations and being like, oh, that wouldn't work because, you know, but it's like, what the fuck do you know about the context of a battlefield <laughs> you know what? where these things are it's being It's very funny that you say that as well because I have guys who come in who are in the military and they're in the police force and all that kind of stuff yep. and, and what I have to constant, what we have to constantly do is work with each other to, you know, because I can teach you techniques that are less lethal but are potentially lethal. Yes. And what the conclusions that we've come to in the physical and, and verbal interactions that we've had with each other is, regardless of escalation theory, you must respect the hierarchy of position. Yeah. If someone is on top of, if someone has your back and you think you're going to rake it, their eyes to get out, they can they stand to do serious damage. Yeah, to they hurt. can do more to you than you can do. Exactly. Yeah. So, but if but that doesn't mean that raking their eyes isn't applicable. Exactly. And that's yeah. sort of like the ideas that yeah, we exactly. that we go along. But. When people have asked me the question, as an MMA coach, what do you think is the best martial art for self-defense? I'm like, fuck, man. Nothing. I don't know, bro. Like, join the military. 
the answer like, is nothing. Israeli craft Maga, maybe? You know no, what I mean? And even, like, and even then, and even then, taught by who, for what context. Yeah. People, people have this misconception where they go, military, and you go, well, look, a fundamental difference in the military is 99% of any interaction they're going to have on any conflict level, they're going to have kit. Mm. So they're going to have a gun, yeah. a knife, a radio, and they're probably not going to be on their own. Mm. So that's a completely different setup to, as a civilian. Yeah. You're going to be unarmed on your own. Yeah. So you're having to account for everything that, that that's the problem. So as we start to get more specific, the accounting gets less. Mm. Like, you know, even just to do with in a cage, you, you know the terrain. So you yeah. know the, the floor is smooth, there's nothing in the way, but it's like, you're having to do all of that in, in real time and account for that. And so what you see in a lot of the traditional arts in their combative applications is they're more vague. And they're more mm. vague because they're accounting for that. They're yeah. going, um, if I do, so you might see an abstract movement. And the abstract movement is going, I'm covering myself on a 180 degree radius. It will, if there's a weapon and there's the range of the weapon, it will account for a certain amount of that. And the level of engagement is minimal. So if I need to abandon what I'm doing and escape because another threat's coming in, I can do that. Yeah. If you try to take that and take that into a cage yeah. and do some vague movement, you're just going to get knocked out. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's knowing, it's knowing like yeah, yeah. What, what you're doing. So it's, it's fantastic for what it's for. It, it's perfect for what it's for and it does it perfectly. Yeah. The problem is people seem to not understand what things are for and, and that, that yeah. moreover than that I would say that the biggest problem in, in there's two there's two in my opinion the two biggest problems in the martial arts world is that first of all people don't realise that these are all different things for different things mm -hmm. so what you get is um, everyone thinks that it's all one thing and that they're doing all of it for whatever, with whatever yeah. they're doing so, you know, like the, the boxer thinks he's doing self-defense, the traditional guy thinks he's doing fighting. They all think they're all doing all of it when in, what it usually means is that they're doing none of it effectively. Mm. And the second point I would say is probably the biggest problem facing the martial arts world is people conflating what works with what they're able to do. Yeah. So it's trying something for five minutes, like we talked about the Kimura. Mm. Trying it for five minutes, you can't make a Kimura work. So you go, oh, Kimuras don't work. Yeah. And it's like, no, just because you suck or you can't do it. Like, don't, don't confuse yeah. your human limitation yeah. with the, with the uh, logic or the science or the art itself. Because yeah. these systems were not like, there's no, um, you know, like I, I often point out to people that the Aikijutsu stuff. So when I say that, I'm referring to a family of techniques that you see in uh, the Daitoryu, you see it in... Uh, Hakido in Aikido in, in traditional Jiu-Jitsu. It's what Judo and BJJ came out of. But the Aikijutsu techniques were designed to basically disable and, and detain trained samurai over 500 years of hand-to-hand, -hand born into warfare and trained from birth. To, it's like, you think they just didn't think of using a boxing guard? Or they just didn't think of rolling or... Yeah, the context wasn't exactly. there. I think the pushback you'll immediately get from, uh, you know, the combat sports community is, there's not samurais now. So, you know, but you know what I mean? Like, then, you, would have, you would have heard this a billion times. And the response times. to that yeah. is, did we grow extra arms or legs? No. Or in the meantime, no. like, so we're... And as I've asserted in the past, there is a cycle of techniques, and that's why 
something like a double wrist lock or a kimura that you, you talk about in jiu-jitsu, it's an ancient technique. Essentially, yeah. it's an ancient technique. Yeah. These throws, these locks, they're ancient techniques. They're not, we're not uh, abnormal in a way that we're just so amazing that we've found these new techniques. It's just evolved within its application. I'm going to pose you a problem and solution type scenario, yeah, right? So I think when you talked about before the potential for, okay, so I have to, I'm performing these vague movements that are problem solved for the specific scenario. That they would intended yeah, to be. Intended that intended to be, to be yes. right? So what the modern day like a student might be looking for or a for a consumer yeah. for for example is they're looking for quantifiable outcomes, right? Yeah. I know that if a 110 kilo white belt comes into the academy that I can match them up with a 70 kilo purple belt and they're going to be fine within the confines and context of what we do the purple belt will be able to handle themselves in that scenario given the skill gap doesn't matter about the weight gap right that's a quantifiable variable right so I know that if I spend time doing jujitsu I can get better because the proof is in the pudding and it's an application-based art. However, take belts away. That 110-kilo guy walks into our academy with a knife, and we don't know he has one. Now I've added in an unquantifiable variable. And I would assert, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I would assert that the way that you are forced to teach is unquantifiable because you're trying to translate something or scenarios like I just laid out that are unpredictable. So how do you know if someone who attends your classes are getting better at knife defense if they're never getting stabbed? Yeah, so... I I, I pose that as an honest question. Yeah, so here's the thing is what I teach is I just say, I I articulate it like this. All, All martial arts seek to do is is like combat is pure chaos and so all we are doing is we're trying to increase the probability in our favor but that's all it is Mm. nothing is guaranteed so you know i i I, and what i quite often say is like hapkido can give you all of these things it guarantees nothing Mm. like it's up to you like i can show you the the techniques of knife defense that i i've used in reality to take weapons off of people um, that my teachers have, that, that other mentors and stuff that from battlefield things and all that knowledge that we've put yeah, together yeah. Um, that people have used. But that doesn't mean you're going to do it. That doesn't mm. mean you're not going to get stabbed. Like, it, that's your own journey to master. Like, it's up to you to master the, the craft. All I can do is show it to you. And go, Look. So you're, you're saying it's probability-based. And that's pretty reasonable, man. Yeah, so, that's pretty logical. So, so yeah, I mean, because look at it from this point of view, it's like... Um, how I explain to the guys, like, hey, look, when uh, a SEAL team, for example, have a target, right? They'll spend months studying the target, the, the guard rotations, his eating, sleeping patterns. They'll build a warehouse like this that, that makes the model, like, like the Bin Laden thing, it'll make the model of the building that he's in and they'll practice doing it and practice doing it. And then they're going to hit that when everyone's asleep, no one knows they're coming, <laughs> and SEALs still die. Yeah. So... That's martial arts in a nutshell. It's all we're doing, all your training, and because and, it's the same in MMA. It Guys is. who are clearly the better dude can walk out and just get, and they're out. 100%. And, it's, and it's, it just shows you as like, does that mean he's shit at MMA? Does it mean he's not tough? He's not a good, it's just. Reality. 
the chaos of it all is all we can give him is probability. Yeah. All I can say is, look, um, the stuff that I've used has kept me alive from Hindley Street to Elizabeth to mm. um, around South Australia, you, you Hanley Beach, Glenelg, um, trying to think of some of the other hot, hot spots. Mm. Um, but basically e everywhere that is the worst, most violent criminal demographic mm. I've had to confront over the last yeah. 10 years. I mean, that was one of the other it's questions, you know, I'm here. Yeah, exactly. Like pertaining to, if you need I guess, I guess, art. like that's that's the stuff that's hard for people to get their head around when they come from a combat sports background. And look, you know it, it's hard to, to get my head around it as well you know from a grappling perspective. What, what blocks them is the ego part that misunderstands these sorts of conversations. Yeah, like I don't profess to know what the fuck I'm doing if someone pulls a knife. Yeah, out. but it's not that. It's that. It's that. That takes nothing away from you as a MMA fighter, or yeah, as a yeah. wrestling like, yeah. and and that's what I think. Are you saying I'm not the toughest dude in the world? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. for one, yeah, I'm easily not. <laughs> yeah, but, but my point is, like, for one, yeah, like, like, you know, I've watched people um, have their throats slashed. I've watched people on the ground with guys with metal baseball bats pounding their heads into. Pa it's like, I've 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 messed with people that like, you know break into people's houses, tie them to a chair and systematically cut their fingers off. Fun if, times. If, if you think that like beating someone in a contest ranks you as like yeah. the baddest dude on the planet in, in, in the sea of the animal oh, yeah, look, violence that there's a difference between winning a fight do. and murder. Yeah. And there's a big gap between that man, right? There's a big gap between yeah. that. So I think that, you know, people watching from a combat sports background if they they want the linear answer to the yes, question right yes. so they want a simple answer to a they do they thing, do yeah. and so does everyone and again I, I revert back to what i was saying before it's actually reasonable for human beings to think like that yeah. to have that linear answer but you actually did just afford an answer to a question that will you will commonly get asked like say someone like me is watching a video yes. that you've put on the internet that is you doing a knife defense the immediate thing that they'll say is, Bullshit. excuse me, have you used that yes. in real life? Have you used that disarm to effect and not been stabbed? And you're saying yes. I'm saying, so, I don't want to get myself in trouble. So, <laughs> no, 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 so, so yes and no. So, okay. so, so you're being honest. Yes. Yeah, so, like I, I have taken weapons off of people. And with my students, I, I go through... Um, what that looks like in reality and, and because I have that experience that's something unique to my school that I'm, I'm bringing as a, as a person okay. but my teacher also had that okay. and, and you could argue that originally this is the whole thing with the lineage is that the knowledge is accumulative and, mm -hmm. and all these things get passed on and that's what we've lost a lot of in mm -hmm. traditional martial arts and when martial arts in total is the knowledge gaps between the wise and so but I, I have I distinguish those lines so I say like um because the other thing too is that people say like, you know, oh, like people have this one-dimensional thing. Like my students were saying the other day about, um, oh, well, I'd just give them my wallet. So what if they don't want your wallet? Mm. You think there's only one scenario in the world where someone approaches you like, give me your wallet, and you're like, that's not a knife. And it's like, a, <laughs> it's like I don't know what movies you've been watching, man, but there's, there's a lot of different ways that things can go down yeah. with the stabbing. But you that's can... why it's so hard, right? Because it's unpredictable. Yeah. And when it's unpredictable, it's unquantifiable as an outcome. And so what, what uh, an art like Hapkido and some traditional stuff seek to do is that's why they're, they're more vague in how they look. Because, like... 
the chaos of all that is quite vague. And, and the idea is what you're training for is not specialization. You're training for versatility. So I'm training for, um, can I remove someone, detain someone, extract mm. someone, yeah. shield someone, yeah. disarm a weapon, retain a weapon, use a weapon. And you'd go, how can I train to do all of that? Mm. And the answer is, you, you seek to master intrinsic principles that allow you to do all of that interchangeably. Mm. And that's always going to be more vague. So you can't take those um, principles that are uh, basically seeking to give you a, uh, an answer that you can use, like essentially the same way I take a pistol off you is the same way I take a knife off you is the same way that I, okay. I do a wrist. Like so this is a fundamental concept and idea ingrained within a movement that becomes a technique that becomes translatable to all of these things over time, used in, for a specific purpose in a specific moment of time when it's necessary, yep. so within the broader context of an unpredictable situation. Yep. So that it can, be, okay. it can be scaled to fit. I know what I just said. But I don't think anyone else on the fucking planet is going to follow what I just said. Okay, so yeah, basically, <laughs> I'll try to make it simpler. Like, and it is a very simplistic way to put it. But I think it, I just confused myself. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so I mean, the, the, the base level is something like... Um, okay, the base level is something like... You can see on the camera, so you, you grab my You wrist. can see on the camera, guys, yeah. but you can oh, just in case we yeah, okay. just in case we didn't explain this before. Right. Here, here I'm breaking the fourth wall, I'm turning to the camera. Yeah. We have visualized media co here uh, as well filming this podcast today, so it is quite uh, unique to me. I don't like my face being on camera, but for everyone else, you're gonna get the unedited audio. But right now, I'm taking my right hand and I'm grabbing Nathan's wrist. Okay, so from this position, right, there might be a basic wrist escape where I come from the outside and I release okay. the grip. I might do the same thing, trap the hand and we have a lock. I might have a weapon and you grab, and this helps me retain the okay, weapon, yeah. slice. Or you might have the weapon, you might thrust, and we have the same technique becomes the disarm. Okay, yeah. So, the, so it's a translatable technique. Okay. Yeah, and, it, and okay. because in, in the reality of, I mean, it's why people who do violence professionally in the real world use um, these sorts you see, you see very common in a lot of law enforcement, in a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, hapkido present in like the executive protection and the political bodyguard and it's still kind of like one of the fundamental things that people mm -hmm. use because it's seeking to do that. All right, if I've got to arrest you and detain you, you know, how do I do that? So one of the things I teach my students is like these objectives are fluid, they come and go and they shift and sometimes they stack. And so I go from like, I was trying to remove you, but now I've got to detain you. But as I detain you, I'm clearing you for weapons while I watch for multiple threats. So it's not so, as simple as I just fight the guy and I beat yeah, the guy. No. It's like, and within that, do they also evolve? Like, yes. has there been an efficiency trim the fat process that has taken place? Yeah, 100%. That? Yeah. And there should be. And, and that, that um, yeah, and like I said, it's, and it's not always going to be the same, the same thing. And, and that's okay. So here's the other point I want to make to, to give a bit of a, a shout out to the to the traditional guys is like, um, it's okay if that's not what you're doing it for. Like so, my 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 issue is like just be clear on what you're doing things for and and stay within your scope when you're teaching stuff. Yeah, I but, I, but that one sentence I agree with massively. But I and but I think I, the MMA community can also take something from that. As well. And everyone can. And 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 my thing is like, there's nothing wrong with putting on a gi, learning something for the beauty of the art, working on personal development and 
um, you know, spiritual and physical growth and building a great community yeah, and, and loving that. it. That's fantastic. And like, I would argue those guys are winning if they're unpacking their childhood traumas and they're, they're making themselves <laughs> into a better, better person. They're doing it right and they're winning. As long as they're not confusing that with their combat efficiency and their ability to defend themselves. And, and, or um, potentially confusing their students with that ideology Exactly, well. that's the danger. And, the, and, the, and what you touched on before, that the danger that I see in the combat sport world is that it, it, sometimes it's, it's actually more dangerous because it gives people a false sense of confidence because they're so good in the environment they're in. It gives them a false sense of confidence um, like you said, where they won't seek escape in situations where they, they fail to recognise that it's a different species, yeah. a different enemy, and you're, you're now a shark on dry land. To be a successful combat sports athlete, and I've said this a million times before, people who listen to the podcast are going to just like fast forward through this whole bit. <laughs> so like, in order to be successful, you need to be selfish. Yes. You need to have the best training, the best food, the best opportunities... It needs to be all about you. Yep. And within that, you need to be supremely confident in your abilities. If you don't believe that you're better than the guy that you're going to fight, then you're going to lose. Yep. And you are the one who faces the consequences of that loss. And that could be on a, a broad scale of harm. And so you have okay? to believe that you are the you have to believe that you are the greatest, you're Jesus and you're the yep. greatest. And you're gonna run into problems if you translate that to scenarios outside yes. of the cage. Yes. Now, this is it's like literally the first thing I said was part of my duty and responsibility is to make sure that I translate context to the people who come into the academy. I can't reasonably say that if you know boxing, that that's not going to help you in a street situation, mm -hmm. but it's not going to help you if someone is not boxing you back, right? Well, like if, and again, so people if don't might, really want to fight you on the street. They it, really don't. We're not going to have two consenting adults of the same way. Like not even two consenting people. Someone can just, they don't want to fight on the street. People are cowardly. If someone is going to attack you, they're going to just attack you. They're yeah. not going to be like, push them and be like, fist of cups, no, you old school. That. You yeah. do see a bit yeah, of Yeah, but if they do that, then maybe the pugilist, uh, until it starts going south for one person, and yeah. then, then the honour goes out the window, right? Yeah. Then I'm smashing your head into the pavement. Well, it's not even that. People walking past will just jump in. Yeah, that's seen true. That a million. Like, you might have a guy in a mount who attack you, yeah. And people walking past see you as the as aggressor. As the aggressor, yeah. And all of a sudden, someone's now, soccer ball kicks your head. I I've said that a million yeah, times, man. I've like, as, as a jiu-jitsu black belt, be aware that your first thought is... If your first thought is shoot that double and take it to the ground, be careful, because I can't wrestle a knife off of you. I can't. And I can't wrestle a gun away from my head. Yeah. Okay? But maybe if it was at that pure end of the scale where I had no other option and I knew that I was in Indeed. trouble, then so I would have to have this on. ingrained employed technique. So if I, but if it wasn't at that, if it wasn't, within saying that, because that's very pro self-defense and pro what we're talking about, if it wasn't at that end of the spectrum, right? Yeah. And they were, it was still at negotiation phase, like what you were saying before, yep. and then I employed my tactic, I got myself stabbed or I got myself shot. Well, are you, yeah, and are you, like, even before that, are you even looking for a weapon? Yeah, probably not. So I'm just, probably yeah. just thinking, I'm going to win. So I, tra I train my guys to sight weapons. Like, look, yeah. look at their hands, look at their pockets, look at their, like, like try to be 
paying attention to that stuff before because in, in real world violence you know like um if i'm working for example like if i'm doing security work generally any any kind of like 90 percent of conflicts that arise i'm on it an hour before it comes mm. like i know who the target is i'm watching them escalate times. i'm already formulating mm. strategies and and when i engage that person like the actual engagement might be one second and i'm not even talking physical violence it might just be after watching this person's behavior you get erratic and watching them behave a certain way and interact negatively with another person yeah. i might just come over and give it a nudge but that and, and it'll also look like nothing it'll look like a security person just coming oh how you going man? but you're currently you sit down over distance. there but that that was an hour setup yeah for that smooth and so there was no violence and there yep. was it looks like nothing happened mm. but that was a I think people who work thing. in the industry are going to be able to go with you because they've been in those situations. Nothing, but people that don't work in the industry, so, they're, they're still going to be looking or listening to this going, fuck, Nick's being really soft on this guy. Look, you know look I mean? nothing, like, nothing that I say is like, like everything that I say, like people in law enforcement, in security, they just nod along like, this is all common knowledge. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not saying anything that I invented. Like mm. this is all, you could look it up in any... Um, de-escalation programs or any self-protection experts will tell you the same stuff it's like it's what we do in our field yeah um but it's so interesting when you say it in the civilian world it causes like controversy and people get upset and, and the main reason for that is like look if you've built your world out of an idea of like like we said before i've, I've simplified it down to i've created this little bubble and within this little bubble i'm tough and nothing can hurt me when someone comes along and starts poking holes in that, yeah, it um it, yeah. it upsets. So so when you so yeah. if you've built your identity around this is the other problem is attaching your identity. Yeah, like I teach hapkido, I teach my students. It's not good for everything. Mm. It's not going to win you an MMA yeah. fight. It's not for that. Yeah. It's fine. I'll come and do MMA for myself. I'll roll with you and I get think tapped on the on the mat all day. I don't care. And you did. No, yeah. <laughs> but no, look. It's I think not I think the like, thing is like. Poking holes in something doesn't mean that you're deconstructing the whole deal. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean you're deconstructing someone's ego as well. Like, for, for example, like, to be honest with you, man, like, if, if someone does know boxing and Muay Thai and, and grappling and wrestling, they are going to be more well-equipped than the regular person to handle tools. them. They've got yeah. tools. They've so, got tools. So if I can, if I can interject. So, so here's my point, right? The, the layer of self-defense skills and interactions are not necessarily, like, a... Uh, keto thing or a, they're not a martial arts um specific they're like a, it's like a, a specialty within yeah um so there's nothing to say that you can't take whatever and and shape it that way it has just been my experience mm. that with combat sport it's a lot more of a square peg in a round hole mm -hmm. the same way that when you try to put traditional stuff in in the sport arena it, it's a square peg in a round okay. hole and I've just found that a lot of the traditional art that are combative arts, not things like, for example, uh, if you had like a, a, a Tai Chi style that's yeah. not designed for that, but like, um, you know, like your Filipino arts or something, they're around pegging a round hole because that's what they were originally meant to do. And when yeah. you start understanding the context and you yeah. start training them that way and using them the way, you go, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like yeah. that actually just works really well. Yeah. So I think, nothing, I think but there's it, nothing to say that. So you, there's nothing to say you couldn't take MMA. Yeah. And you couldn't utilize it yeah, that way. I'm that's, just saying. That's very true. It it can be utilized for this purpose, 
but it's not optimized for that purpose. Yeah, like, like for example, um, striking to the head. Now, punching to the head, like just something as simple as a punch, which is the fundamental of all combat sport, there are just far better things to do to a human being. If we strip back life and death, no rules, um, height and weight, and all that, that sort of stuff, it's like, you know, because like most people that I have to, that I've had to deal with over the years violently have been triple my size. Like I'm a little dude and no one smaller than me tries to attack me. It's, it's always like, like the way I'd explain it to my students is like, generally speaking, if we're talking just a warrior mentality as like a, a martial arts warrior in life and planet earth, when you're under attack from a criminal element, you are generally outsized, outnumbered, and someone probably has a weapon. It's like you're at the worst disadvantage like you could possibly be in. So how do we equalize all of that? And one of the answers to that is harm, like injury. Now what I mean by that is, what you've got to understand is what they're trying to do to you is inflict injury. And not damage, injury. When you do combat sport, injury can be a result of the thing, but it is not the intent. And when it happens, it's an accident. And as soon as it happens, it's stopped. But in real violent conflict, it is the goal of everyone. The goal is maximum injury as fast as possible. The goal is to injure, and when injury occurs, the fight does not stop. Hmm. So um, the way that you go about, and this is where we get into the sort of stuff of the com combative techniques that you would find military people doing, um, the goal is injury. The goal is not to fight. It's not even to engage in a fight where we're, we've kind of devolved into this competition, I call it the arm wrestle, where we've devolved into this, all right, who's, who's stronger? At the I don't care if you're... like. You being able to tap me on the mat or beat me in the cage has no bearing on whether or not I attempt to kill you and how I'd go about that. And knowing that, I would just go around it and achieve the, the goal. And like, like we talked about the other day, like people have to understand the distinction between violence and fighting. And like they're not the same thing no. at all. Like like I could like we said, I could walk in here when you're chatting to these guys, I could walk up behind you and slash your throat. Now, I've just killed you with violence, but did we fight? And so in the combative world, this is the game everyone's playing. Yeah. How do I avoid the fight and either escape or destroy? Mm. So you're still, you're still having to teach techniques on a scale of those things, yes. though, right? Like on a scale of... Because you, you depicted a scenario that was forethought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like your plan was to murder. You know what yeah. I mean? But if we had like an interaction on the street that was not planned and unpredictable, yeah. that would be on a differing level of the scale to which you have to teach techniques. Yeah, and you'd have to scale force. Like, so yeah. you'd have to go, you know, like I said, like if you're, if you're just in my face or you just, you know, you're like, oh yeah, wouldn't you just place a hand on me? Like it doesn't justify me pounding your face into the pavement until yeah. you stop moving. And look, I have to say, a jiu-jitsu practitioner or a grappling practitioner they have quite a good capacity to scale force. And that's good. Yeah, the, it is a good thing. The only thing I find that these, those guys come into problems with is the levels of engagement. Is they, they, because combat sport, the goal is to seek as much engagement. You want to smother the opponent. It's still one-on-one. On one. It's still one-on-one. On one yeah. and, and the idea is that it's one-on-one. On and one. what I'm saying is... So it's you can not afford you to learn, do that. And it's not that you, they're not great skills, and it's not that you can't learn all this stuff. I'm just saying that 
They don't. It's not optimally translatable. Well, yeah, Just give me one moment, guys. Look, look, look. 55 minutes, I have a timer. So you're going to see some behind-the-scenes stuff when you, when you, when, if you watch this on YouTube. So I'm going to stop my recording very shortly. I understand that, that some controversial stuff and there's some stuff there that I want to unpack for people. So, so the, just, like, Oh, we're, still, we're recording now. Let's yeah. go. So, so, so you're hearing the voice of t- the sultry... Uh, the dulcet tones of Tamani guiding yeah. us to where, yeah, to where we should be going. And there's a smooth audio. It's chocolate. the first time the Bad Phone <laughs> podcast has had producers. <laughs> I'm struggling right now. They're, they're disgusting. I'm struggling. Big. What the fuck were we just talking about? Man? So, something. So I'll, I'll, I'll circle back because we're getting we're getting a bit down the path of all the the real world violence, and um, I'll just come back because, like I said in that short little break, like. Um, I don't want to run from the question that you're asking about the knife defense. So, okay, yeah. so the first thing with the knife defense is you have to understand that there are like lots of different ways that a weapon comes into play and comes out of play, what you do with it, and um, the types of threats. So 99% of the times when I've removed weapons from people, it's been in what we call a static threat. So the weapon's not in motion, it's in their hand, they're holding it. Um, and, and one of the acronyms that we use um, that my teacher drilled into me when I was a kid is like speed, aggression, surprise. Okay. So, you know, the, the way that you use uh, martial arts in, in a real world combative environment is speed, aggression, and surprise. If you get those three things, you win. Um, and so, you know, that's what it is when a weapon's in play. The other legal term that you probably want to consider is when it is safe to do so. <laughs> so acting and see, yeah, that's this is true, why this right? stuff is quite vague yeah, deliberately yeah. because it's like you have to deem when you feel, when you deem that it is safe to do so. And there are situations where let's say you have a, a, a incoherent uh, drug affected individual who's sitting down and he's got a knife in his hand right now presents an opportunity. Well, he's not paying attention. Do I snatch that out of his hand or do mm. I wait for him to become more lucid, aggressive and now he's mm. lucid, aggressive and has a knife and five minutes earlier when he was blah, 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 I could have just kicked it out of his hand or mm. snatched it off of him. So the- or if someone's uneducated, right, and he was at a, like a, a passive level that you're describing and then you attempted to snatch it out of his hand and failed... Now you've escalated a situation yes. where you're going to get cut. And then so, a question I want to ask you is like, what percentage of you getting cut is there? Like, it'd be a pretty oh, well, high like, percentage, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you don't get cut, you're—it's you're amazing. The unicorn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but, no, I think people. But, uh, the reason why I bring that up, man, is people need to hear that, right? Oh, dude. Because people assume that you're teaching, you're attempting to teach people magic. Right, no, where dude, it's just like you've thrown things. a key ball at the, you know, that's how yeah, people yeah, act know, sometimes. Yeah. They're like, you've thrown a key ball at the knife, it's flown out of their hand, and then you've force pulled it back into your own hand, and okay, that yeah, was yeah. the technique that you yeah, taught Yeah, which is what student. I actually do. My, you know, my, my <laughs> Fuck you, Nathan. Right. No, <laughs> no, but I'm... No, but so, I knew you were lying to me this whole time. <laughs> so when we do... When we do gun disarms, just the other week, with the, we got like a 3D printed uh, gun. Okay. Um, just doing the like, full speed, doing the gun disarms, all of our hands get split open from the edges and the... Um, so even just training with plastic weapons just, and, and a clean disarm, yeah. you still slash your hands up and... Yeah, look, and pe- get, people need to hear this, man. Um, they need to understand that it's the probability factor that and, you're yes, talking about. And then, so the if there's thing, a knife in play, someone's getting cut and it's probably going to be you. Also, we've got to get into the ins and outs of like... 
let's because what we're talking about is we're talking about lethal force mm. now a lot of the knife defense techniques are are very optimal ways of removing a weapon and and i can justify that by saying that they're principles that you see in the filipino arts you see it in crab you see it like you see the pattern of like yeah. people tend to like doing these sorts of things for, because they're effective and, but like I said, we come back to my point of probability before. I said, but it guarantees nothing. Yeah. But the reason why you're training, and, and in one of my videos I point this out, the reason why you're doing it is it's not about being invincible. It's about saying it could be the difference between one stab, two stab, I take the knife off you and I kill you, mm. or stab, 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 I die. And yeah. go, oh, well, I couldn't do anything, so I just didn't do anything. and I Like I freak out and I die. Yeah. Now, I, I bring that up because it's all best laid plans too, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's probability. And this is with MMA as well. We have this beautiful set curriculum in which we want to prepare you as best we possibly can. And it's based on our experience over time of people having followed that path and been in your shoes, right? So we have this, you come into a class or classes and then you show your aptitude and your skill level and your progression rate. Yeah. And then we bring you into the advanced classes so you can show your accountability and your consistency and then progress in a competitive environment then you do a trial weight cut you do a trial fight you have mm -hmm. um a fight in a competitive setting that is not mma right so you have to do a kickboxing fight you have to have competitive grappling and that prepares you to begin to streamline the skills that you've learned into a competitive setting that is yeah. conducive to winning, right? Yeah. And then we do all of that again. You become a designated sparring partner for the professionals who've already done all of this, and then we turn it on you, your weight class, your everything. We send you off into that amateur fight, your first amateur fight, and then you're a fucking deer in the headlights. And everything that you've learned over all of these years goes completely out the window. It's white noise. You put your head down to the ground and start throwing haymakers. It happens all the time. Yeah. Because the stimulus is different. Yeah. So you want to increase people's potential probability of success. So not getting stabbed eight times and dying, but two, no, just spat everywhere, two and something happening. Two and something kicking yeah. in. And if that something is an educated response, then you've done your job. However, you don't want to lead people to fool's gold. No. Into no. believing that this knife defense that I've showed you is the be-all and end-all of your everything existence. everything can be counted. Like, you know, like we discussed, there's like jab, cross, hook, uppercut. There's nothing in martial arts that you can teach in a way that people won't go, oh, that's bullshit, that wouldn't work. You show someone a jab cross and they go, yeah, but I would just counter it with a Yeah, yeah, fuck it's yeah, like, man. Happens oh, all the time. Yeah, Enzo Gracie kicked ass with this. He's like, because you always have the what if people. I think I'm teaching a specific technique or a specific scenario in jiu-jitsu and then you get the guy who might, you know, be half decent with what he's attempting to say, but he's basically saying... What if this happens? What if I do this? What if I do that? And then yeah. Henzo Gracie, after years and years and years of teaching, is like, well, then, jiu-jitsu. What if this happens? Okay, then jiu-jitsu. Then you start doing jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Because what he's really saying is the rest of everything that you've learned, that's what you employ. Yeah. Like, don't, don't try and fuck me over with this question that you're asking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> like, and that's the point. Because so, you've got to come at things from somewhere. So you've got to go, look, let's, let's observe this thing and unpack this thing yeah um but yeah that's the thing there's no I've, in all i mean 20 years of this man like i've never found that you could show anything anything you show it's always beginners it's always the 
and when I say beginner, I generally mean anybody with less than sort of 10 years martial yeah. arts experience. It's always beginners with really big egos. Oh, but what if that wouldn't work and this one? And it's like, first of all, I'll bring this up because like one of the things that I really disdain in the martial arts world world is the that whole thing, the whole schoolyard. So these are the schoolyard debates that are just so unintelligent. To oh, me welcome to hurt, the internet. Man. Yeah, that hurt yeah. my brain. Yeah. Is what works. And like I said before, don't conflate what works with what you can do or what you can't do or what's easy or what's fast. Because like some of the, the Aikijutsu techniques and the Hapkido are designed, they're very complex. The learning curve is steep and they're, you know, the nature of that complexity is they're not designed to be picked up in a, a week and be utilized. They're, that's why you, you build these acronym systems that you train. I'm, I point this out to my students. That's why my teacher stopped doing it. Because um, when he was training you know, operators and professionals, because all they want is, I'm going to train for a week, I need three or four gun disarms. You come up with some acronym, CQB, CQ, you teach them a few, pum, 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 send them out there and they're using it and they're doing yeah. it. And that's as deep as they want to go into yeah. what they're doing. From, it's quite stifling for the artist, like from the artist standpoint, when you want to get across the art that you love. And, and you want them wants, to embrace it. Yeah, and they just yeah, want to yeah. take this pinch. So that, that kind of over time wore my teacher down. But the thing with the whole what works is, Nothing works. Nothing works. The best way I've ever heard this put from someone is said, martial art, it's just, it's raw material. It's just a tree. A tree is not a table or a chair. Mm. You use it how you want. Like, you then, like, you know, if I teach you Hapkido, Hapkido is just a tree. If you want to make it into a table, you can do that, but you'll need carpentry skills and make it into a table. Mm. If you want to take some of the kicking from Hapkido or, or you want to utilize it for combat sport, You'll have to do that. Mm. If you want to use it for real world combat, you'll have to do yeah, that. But it is 100%. not. But it is not yeah. inherently either of those things. Yeah. It is I think just that's a trick. an important understanding to learn. Like, look, even within the relatively narrow scope of combat sports and techniques that comprise mixed martial arts, there's still a massive scope of for uniquity within how the practitioner goes about it. And there's no 100% techniques, mm -hmm. right? If there was, then I'd just be double-legging everyone on the yeah. street unstoppably. But that's what everyone wants. Everybody wants the one-size-fits-all technique that, that makes them a yeah. god. And, and it doesn't like, exist. No, but yeah. then, then again, it comes to reasonable and unreasonable. It might piss you off, Nathan, that people don't understand what you're doing. But it's... <laughs> No, it's not necessarily unreasonable for them to not understand. No, no, and I'll, I'll give you a depiction of what, I, what I'm talking about with this man. So, like, if someone sees me do an armbar, they can see me do an armbar, yeah. right? They can come into the academy and, tac like, tactile. They can see it. They can feel it. They can smell it. They can practice it safely. All that kind of shit, yeah. right? But if someone sees you do a gun disarm, they're going to be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Because the only place that they can see that is in the movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's their well, reference point. Yeah. Unless they're watching CCTV footage of real Gundasams or people, you know, unless yeah. they're in the... So, they're, they're, the general population, quite reasonably, in my, in my summation, and again, it might piss you off to hear it. No, no, no. In no, my no, summation, no. they have a reasonable, like, yeah, I don't like, fucking think that'll work. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, the... the um, so... We were talking about this the other day and saying how I, I, I think of people with that kind of mentality are like flat earthers <laughs> because you can show them. Well, then you're talking about a lot of flat earthers, can, man, yeah, because they're can, gonna they're gonna be like that. And you can show them satellite footage of 
Earth from space, and they'll go fake bullshit. Photos were fake. Okay, so and you're saying say, that like so a lot of people even, may have a predisposition to going. But well, what I'm saying is they don't want to believe. What I'm saying is you can't you can't prove it. There's no way to yeah. go like well yeah. here like prove prove to me consciousness. Yeah, and and look that was like, that was the issue that I brought up before, and I think yeah. that's the unfortunate issue that so, you're, you're constantly going you to run into. And hopefully, hopefully, conversations like this yeah, yeah, can exactly. help to improve that perspective and improve that yeah, narrative. Yeah, I think where people get confused in all this is I'm not attached to any of that. Like, yeah. like yeah. it's all good shit and we're all friends and we're all trying to grow and uh, Yeah, I think you're a good dude. Better. So thanks, I man. do. Regardless of how, too, how, you know, I still think, but, look, I'm breaking the fourth wall again, I'm looking towards the cameras because I still think he's lying to me. <laughs> I still think, I'm waiting man. I'm waiting for the key ball to come flying at my head. Like, yeah. I'm waiting for the fireball. It's already, it's already, I've already shot. You know, I keep saying this, my, everyone, <laughs> everyone fucking laughs at me every time. I'm fucking waiting, man. I'm waiting for the key blast to happen. So, the first guy to do it in MMA, the first guy to go, like, that's going to change the game, man. That is going to change the game. All the rules are going to have to change. And you, know, you know, it was probably, if, if it was going to be anyone, it was probably going to be Diego Sanchez. Sanchez to, to do the first Hadouken. So maybe we've missed it. <laughs> maybe we've missed but even, it. But even the key stuff, so even the key stuff in the traditional arts is like, for example, um, the most fundamental is like key breathing and key yeah. exercise. So we do key breathing and stuff. And people will go, you know, oh, you know, oh, that's all fucking like that. It's all magic bullshit. And it's like, really, because the seals do key breathing. They call it tactical breathing. Yeah. The Wim Hof method that you see, so the Wim Hof method um, that he does, uh, like the Iceman, and all these things you see with his adrenal glands, that's a combination of prana, which is yoga's version of qigong, and um, what he studied was called tumo. Tumo mm. is a, a Tibetan fire breathing that comes from a practice called bon that my teacher studied, um, from a, a guy called Gasatonga Rinpoche, who was, uh, I believe he was one of the, uh, it was, at one time he was a teacher to the Dalai Lama. Um, but this is old shit that they've known for, and, and the, the tumor breathing is just like the, the scratch of the surface of like what could be obtained there. Mm. So when you change the name, when you wear jeans and you give it a name like, you know, oh, it's just healthy tactical breathing or blood, yeah. like people believe it and they go, oh yeah, I can see how that, but, but it, I can also see why it's attached to fighting and why it's attached to martial arts yeah. as well. Like I'll, I'll give you a perspective. But it's all good shit. It is good shit. It's it, good but shit. it's all it's all do it. logical. It's all it is attached. But so most like, of the MMA it, guys that I know that I talk to and who appreciate this kind of thing, they are somewhat attached to the spiritual side of things. Yeah. Some of the most in-depth and knowledgeable conversations I've had with people are from fighters. Uh, like Lee Jenkins, for example, you ask him what his beliefs are and how he views things. People might think it's laughable, but the amount of anxiety, nervousness, insecurity, challenges of ego, challenges of identity that fighters in the modern era go through, this idea of breathing and meditation, this is already attached, yeah. already attached. Yeah to traditional martial arts and can be directly translated into the modern era of solving these problems and solving these issues for yeah. these guys to move past it or potentially utilize those elements to better their performance. And yeah. I think that 
there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for the understanding of that variable about why things exist. Yeah, and it's and there's nothing like like the way I always put it because this is sort of what it comes back to my personal experiences. I've done a lot of studied a lot on both sides of the aisle quite extensively, um, and like try it, mm. explore it, do it. Like yeah. don't don't be like oh it's bullshit. It's like you know what. Um, Go do some Tai Chi. I did some Tai Chi Chen. It helped my martial arts massively. I wouldn't. I wouldn't use it. I'm not an idiot. I wouldn't use it <laughs> in security as a as a yeah. on its own as a self defense method. Mm. But the principles and aspects from what I was doing um, in that helped me better understand. Um, even like you'd probably find even with your wrestling and stuff, just grounding yourself on the ground and different um, sensitivities and things like that. It explore it. Like don't don't. Be so it, it's just yeah it's fascinating to me that level of because you know what it is too it's that we're in a we're in a world where it, I want to say what I mean a martial arts world where it, where we're really at the forefront of like people's insecurity like egos and insecurity and it's kind of the the a bit like the fitness industry that the combat sport world has kind of fed that and built off that the hype the who's dicks bigger. Who's the best? Got to be the best. What style's the best? This guy's the best. Everyone's the best. You have to have a good guy, a bad guy. You know, this team, that team. When when sport, uh, this team, that team is, is yeah. very insightful because sport has done that for us. Yes. Like we don't have uh, from from civilian to civilian, we don't have wars to win, so we yeah. construct wars to win. Exactly. We construct ego. So, wars. I'm glad so you that said if that. you we're a tribe that follows this football team, we're a tribe that fo- you know, I win a running race and I'm the fucking man. And so that whole MMA hype pyramid is a construction. Yeah. Like it's it's. Well, it's the same with boxing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the same with a lot of combat sports and non-combat sports. And that's sort of what I'm getting at. So if somebody... Because one of the arguments you might get from people is sometimes they'll say something like, um, you know, oh, yeah, but in a cage, I'd I'd, I'd fuck you up. And it's like, well, then all I've got to do is not get in a cage with you. Yeah. I I, I can just choose to not From the opposing perspective, you'll hear things like, well, that wouldn't work on the street. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, I'm not fighting on the street. Yeah, and, but and, it's and, when and also, the either one asserts, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. But this is the disconnect. And then our point you know is like, like, my right cross is still gonna fucking work on the street. I'm yeah. telling you, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. But will. you can't stab me in the cage. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking about different things. Yeah, and and it, yeah, and it's all um, like it's just stupid. It's all like. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's but what people I mean, is love that, being they stupid, love, yeah, man. They that's what that the whole, fucking internet is for. Dude. They, love, like they love that Cat videos this. and being an anonymous fuckwit. Like, yeah. that's what they made it it's for. It's like this versus that versus... Like, when I, when I do um, kickboxing... <laughs> I can see, like, the distress in your face. You're like, he's <laughs> just been wearing this fucking burden for so long. Well, because the thing is, like I said, like, the, the, the one thing that I have that makes this difficult is that... You know, I've played in both worlds. So, like, to, to, to touch on my background, so, um, you know, I come from the, the traditional martial arts. Um, my, t- my teacher was a pretty serious cat in, with all that. But, you know, like I said, he was, like, training um, police and doing a lot of work with all that kind of serious stuff. Um, and then, you know, I went into security and all that, so I started using it, like, for real. And then... Um, you know, when I started that, I was, it was the death rows of the final era of all the gang like when all the gang violence was, was the job. Like the job was just, hey, do you want to unarmed fight criminal gangs with weapons? 
for 30 bucks an hour. <laughs> um, and when I was 20, I was like, fuck yeah, dude. You know, you didn't have to pay me, I'd volunteer. You mean I could die? Yeah, I'll do it. And, and that's what actually drove me there. So, because mm. what we've got to touch on too is like the, like you said about the ultimate thing for you guys is you build them up and they go into the cage. And the thing with the old school combative arts, you know, that samurai thing was that the, for the samurai, the final leap was you go into battle. Um, and so the only place to do that is you can join the military and go into the battlefield. You can go into law enforcement where you're dealing with real life consequences. Okay. But like, so there's this gap between we train you up to a point and then the only option really is that then you just actually go and do it. Mm. Like, which is what I did, which I don't recommend. And so my point that I was just saying to the students the other day is like, you can ignore everything I say and you're welcome to do that. Like, mm. these are my musings, my opinions, my experience. But all I'm professing to do is say, look, I did some really crazy dangerous shit for a long period of time. And I can tell you what that taught me so you don't have to do it, but you're welcome to go and <laughs> you're welcome to go and, yeah. and have people try and stab you too, and see if you arrive at different conclusions. Yeah. That's fine, but if you don't want to, then don't. Maybe don't dismiss what I say. Yeah, for reason, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, oh, look, man. I, and, 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 I, when people come in and they're like, "I really want to be a fighter," I'm like, "No, you don't, man. Like, if you <laughs> want to be sore and tired yeah. and broke and just fucked all the time, you want to potentially have CTE because you're consenting to someone smashing you in the head. Like the the." glamour like the yeah. idea the romanticism of fighting is so much different to the reality of it but i cannot take away people's drive and aspiration yeah. and yeah and you know because just it's because journey. it's yeah it's, it's their to, journey it's their to, journey alone you have to go through the the you have to go through the things like you can't like even if you and me like lay things out and go this is exactly what you're going to do over the next 10 years and you're going to think this and you explain it all to them, they'll still go through it all. Like, yeah. They still, you can't skip. And they're allowed to. Yeah, 100%. They're allowed to. It's, it's we just their gotta part. try and not have them. They, they might learn something that we didn't. And if we do our job well, then they, hopefully they will. Yeah. Hopefully and, they and will gain you. perspective. Yeah, and they'll yeah. teach you and others. 100%. You told me a great story um, that really resonated with me that I, I you know, we, we can composite tell it back. You can probably tell it a bit better than me. But the, the gist of it was you're in a situation where you're in a team of five to eight security and there's 30 nefarious people attempting to basically dismantle and attack an establishment. Now, that was their goal, was to create as much damage as possible. And your goal, your job, was to mitigate that damage to a certain extent. But then a host of variables occur when you're now forced into a situation where you're putting yourself in the firing line you're having to protect not only the general population, but also your team and your loved ones, the people that you've come to respect and admire. And a scenario played out in which a level of understanding, very stark understanding, took place very quickly. So you're seeing what's happening to your friends. They're being hurt. You're seeing them trying to react and utilize their skill sets. And you come to this point of understanding that if I choose to engage knowing that I have the skills to defeat this guy, this one guy, or even these three guys. And maybe I was trained in self-defense. Maybe I was trained in traditional martial arts. Maybe I was trained in MMA. I'm this guy, like I'm looking through your eyes. If I center my focus on this one person, I now become the focal point of 30 and I might die. Yeah. So if I attempt 
to utilize my skills that I've learned in combat, I will die. And that will negate my overall job and goal in this situation. Yeah, to not die. So you resigned to the idea that you had to mitigate damage without retaliation. Yeah. So you have to pull people off your friends, cop the hits, potentially cop whatever the, whatever the hit may be. It might yep. be a bottle, it might be a knife, it might be whatever, yep. right? But not retaliate yeah. in order to not become the focal point to be as effective as you possibly can in mitigating the situation without actually utilizing the skills that you know how to yeah, use. Yeah, it's great for your ego. It, yeah. It pounds it into oblivion um, <laughs> because that was the thing. So the progression in the build-up to that was that I came into security after about eight years training with uh, Master Michael Peachman, who was like a legend in the in the community. And, um, like, so, and I was trained old school, you know, like we were doing breakfalls out on the road, like, train until you puke it was real like that pre-world war because he just had one setting yeah like, he was just you break your hand do it again with the broken hand it was like you know break my jaw in half and i trained out the glass for the next two hours before i you know like it was that <laughs> one type of those of, guys <laughs> yeah it was that that type no but I, it wasn't yeah. like forced it was like yeah that batch we loved that so i was there for about eight years and then um before i started going to school so when Getting at it is I was very well trained and kind of overqualified for when I went into that. And when I went into it about probably 2010, between sort of 2010 to 2013, so those three years there, were like the the final power years of like the the bikies, the Afghan gangs, the just violence spilling out everywhere. You know, like a, a normal occurrence for a uh, when I was at Henley Beach, for example, um, being shot at, having a pistol put to the forehead, having people uh, try and slash me, resussing a girl that overdosed, um, and you know, being in a couple of brawls. When I say brawls, I mean brawls, like you know, like five on fifteen, you know. um, and that was one week. <laughs> and this was just every Friday night, like it just. This was just the world that I was in. Um, but what happened when I started in that world was I was finding, because of my skill sets. Um, but you like doing okay. Yeah, yeah. but I, no, but like easily. Yeah. And, I was, and so it was like, my ego was loving it. And I was like, oh man, no one can fight. Everyone's a pussy. I'm a fucking beast. And, and, and the other thing again with the, the, the Hapkido skills was that what was happening with my security team was everyone was noticing. So everyone was going, how do you do that? Like, like, the environment that I was in was perfectly conducive to the art that I'd studied. You know, it's like a lot of people, there's a lot of testimonies where people will tell you, oh, I did Hapkido, it felt stupid, so I stopped it. I was doing MMA, and then I got a job in security, and I was just doing Hapkido. Like, it just, it just fits. It just allows you to do things in those environments. Because of that versatility, it allows me to go, oh, well, I can put a little arm lock here because I'm pressed against the wall, and while we're sitting in a chair and... Um, you know, because we train that 360 when I'm seated, when I'm standing, when I'm against the wall, when you're behind me, when I'm, when there's four people, like, you do that for enough years and it, it, you feel comfortable moving through these sort of things, whereas everyone else is still trying to catch up to that sensory information, but you've already trained to, so you're already seeing the opportunities and you're already seeing the things. So what I'm getting at is, um, 
It was building. Like, I was, yeah, and I felt like a rock star. And I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah, man. You know, like, like even to the point where on the doors you'd have big units come up. Me and, we, me and my friend Scotty, we were saying, I don't know, he was, a, he was a state champion boxer. And we're like, why do we do this, man? We'd let him punch us. We'd stand on the door and they'd be like, yeah, fuck, we're carrying on. And we'd be like, come on, and stand there. And then they go, and you'd be like, you done? And like, because this is all the girls watching, everyone's, and then later we'd be like, you know, we could have defended that punch, and we're like, why, why did we just let him, and it's like ego was the answer, because it was like, it just, it just brought them right down, and we just got to show how fucking tough we were. So this was an escalation of me going, this is one of those be careful what you wish for stories. Yeah. So I was starting to go, um, and it's all that wanting to test, so for me it was like, I wanted to test what I could do. And the only way to do that in the real world is you have to increase the threat. Because for me to be able to do more legally, I need to be in more danger. You know what I mean? So the way, the way reasonable force works is, you know, if it's just you and you're drunk and you're annoying, I can't use much of my skills and really test. But if there's five of you and you're trying to kill me, well, now I can take all the limiters out and I can just go 100% and see what I can do. Well, I mean, this is dangerous too yeah. because you're at a point in time this is toxic in your well. life you know, in your life yep. where because of the line of training that you've undertaken, you're actively seeking out these yeah. scenarios. 100%, yeah. And that's very, very dangerous. And this is man. common too. This is why guys, quite often guys in, in these worlds end up joining the military and end up... Yeah, okay. um, so this, is, this is a common uh, thing. Yeah, you'll qu- quite often find a, lo- you'll find a lot of special forces guys that come from traditional backgrounds and mm-hmm. um, this sort of stuff. So... Um, yeah, so I'm um, feeling like a rock star, and then on top of this, so then on top of this, I was doing, um, I started doing like martial arts stunts. Mm-hmm. So my entire world at this point in my life is I'm training every day, I'm helping teach at my instructor's school, I'm choreographing fight scenes, and then I'm using it all for real on the, so I'm just 24-7, oh, oh and then on top of that, I'm going to um, some of my friends like, combat sport places and I'm sparring with all of them so I'm, I'm basically as immersed in every possible aspect of martial arts you can possibly be at this time this yeah so thinking. right now you're the guy you know you're yeah, the guy I'm fucking in it like like my athletes how I have to have them be if they're about they're peaking right yeah they've gone through camp they've done everything they're peaking yeah. ready to go into the cage with yeah, my life is my life is stunts gym dojo sparring on the weekend, it's bikies, it's gangs, and it's violence. So it's the belief that you have in yourself due to that experience is well, potentially... Well, no, because underlying all this is terror. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> well, that's point, a very nice thing for you to say. The point yeah. I should point out is that, so especially in the beginning, it was terrifying. You know, I've never done this sort of shit before, and I, I turn up... The first shift I ever turn up is the worst spot in South Australia at the time. It was Henley Beach Square which with the Ramsgate and the, it was like anyone, it, police had like unofficial directives to just not attend when, when violence would happen out there because it was just so fucked up. And, um, you know, which people die out there, guards die out there. It was on the news, the guard fucking choked someone to death. And, and this was like, you could see why when you're out there. It was, I could, and I couldn't tell you why it was like that. But um, I kind of know I'm going into this because my, one of my best friends, his cousin, got me a job. And when I turn up, he'd been talking all this shit. So when I, when I turn up, they're all like, oh, man, thank God you're here. Yeah, Scott was saying you're like a real deadly martial arts guy. But, and I'm like, what? Mm. Huh? So you're, you're in an even Here's more your potentially 
Yeah, here's your radio, situation. good luck. Yeah, because people are like, they want to test you now, yeah. and you're at a play, in a place in your life within yourself and your ego, at your own yeah. admission, where you want to test yourself and escalate the, the danger level yeah. of, of threat, and it, and it might be really unrealistic. Yeah, and so why I went there was because I wanted that pressure, I wanted that test, but mm. it didn't, didn't stop it being a terrifying and experience. And again, careful what you wish for, yeah. right? Yeah. And so then on top of that, you've got the average... The average bouncer in that era is like a big no-neck motherfucker with a mohawk and, you know, tattoos and shit and then... Non-tactical. Um, yeah, it's like, no, but like in terms of like size and physical appearance, yeah. you know, everyone was 100 plus kilos and... That's the then, intimidation factor, that's this, why they're employed. And then you've got this 67 kilo backstreet boy. <laughs> so you can just imagine how everybody loved me. Everybody wanted to... Like, because yeah. there's this tiny pretty boy standing on a door and you've got all these bikies and everyone's like, what the fuck are you going to... So, um, yeah, so, you can imagine I was, I was in it. It started to escalate. Yeah. But... but Transport me back to what we were talking about before yeah. with that specific scenario so, that played out. So I'd been escalating and amping it up. Yeah. Um, and starting to get beyond being terrified and start to feel a bit invincible. And yeah, so we have this one night where fight breaks out on the dance floor, but we, we later found out it was set up. It was just to trap us, to ambush yeah. us. So they lured us onto the dance floor so we would all be separate. And because of the way I was at the time, I was the first one in, I was the, always the first one in. But I'm in and I'm between a few guys trying to pull them apart and then everything just turns and they just, just getting rained on, you know, and, and that era, all the big roided up bikies because they love the steroids. Um, yeah, so I've just got like six, seven guys all just unloading, like bang, 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 just from all sides and I'm just shifting guards and slipping and just fuck, fuck, fuck. I can feel my vision going in and out, like a few more hits and I'm gonna be down. I pull back, I look up, as this massive unit with um, big rings on. And I remember going, oh, come on, man. I remember when that guy walked in and I'm the littlest guy on the, and I was like, oh, I'd hate to have to deal with that guy. And when I look up, it's the guy. I'm like, why do I get, why do I get teamed up with the big guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And these big rings, so they um, cut my eyelid in half and um, yeah, he threw a few more shots and I just, kind of pulled out and then they changed target and, and I stand back and it's like slow motion. I watch this entire bar get chairs flowing, like they're pulling bollards out. There's like a random girl walking and they just baseball bat her head. It's like a bloodbath. And I remember going, I was, cause I, after screaming the backup a million times, nothing happening. I was like, that, that terror is rising, the panic's rising. And you're like, There's, this is out of control. There's like nothing I can do. And I kind of realized in that moment was like, there's just so many of them that like, any attempt for me to do anything is just gonna draw the attention and I'll be killed because this is the type of environment where you die. Um, but I was determined that like, but this is what I wanted. I wanted to see in these moments who I am and what I, like what I'm, what I'm made of. So I was like, I'm not gonna fucking run and hide because I could have. But that was the, that's the thing that I would have had to have lived with is like in this moment I could have slipped away and hidden somewhere and when it all blew over I could have come back and been like oh and no one would have known but I refused to be that guy because I had this Bushido thing built into me and I was like no 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 like if I die here so be it but like, I'm not going to be stupid with it but I'm not I'm also like what I wanted to do was prove that I could be courageous when I was I wanted to know that I was a courageous person and this is the moment sort of thing so I was like, all right, well, the only next logical thing to do is look for 
my team look for, for someone that I know. And I found one of my guys, and this guy, dude, he's holding on to, it's like a, it's like a kind of like a pillar, and the guy's literally horizontal, and he's pulling his feet, and the guy's just going, ah, holding on to it, and just doesn't want to be taken off. Oh my god, man. This is reality, so I was like, oh shit, alright, I run over and I help grab him. And we start taking him down the staircase. I look at his eyes, are just wild with panic, you know, because we're, we're just like fucking dragging him out. And then um, we get on the staircase, and there's a group of these dudes down the bottom, group coming at the top. Later on, the bus sit on the camera, there's about 13 of them. And it's just us two, and we're holding this guy. So I let go of the guy, and I was like, let go of him, let go of him, let go of him. <laughs> and he's just panicked, holding on to him. Your friend's oh, panicked. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just panicked, holding on to him, holding on to him. And you see them start to go. And then they just grabbed him. They yeah, like, yeah. pushed him to the wall and it's just body, 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 all funneling through. They grabbed him, threw him down the staircase. They're all stomping on him. I think he lost his eye. Um, and so all I could do in that situation was like, kind of peel my way back through, get over the top of him. And I've got these boots hitting me on there. Cause it was literally like, the only thing in my head was like, um, my health bar's got more than his. <laughs> so I'll try to, like, so he doesn't die. We'll I'll try to, <laughs> yeah, I'll try to take a bit yeah. for him. And so I just managed to pull him up, shove him in the corner of the wall, got like, blocked him off. and was just like, yelling and like, he's had enough, he's had enough, he's had enough. And then they kind of moved through. I look up the top as two of my guys start coming down the stairs and I was halfway through going, where the fuck were you going? And I was like, where the f And I look and their faces are all split open and I was yeah. like, okay, they were busy. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that, was, and that was like one night and that wasn't even the yeah. only time that happened, but that was the, that was the big life-changing yeah. thing where I had my experience with the edge of um, I learned what it felt like once again to be powerless mm. and what it taught me was that in that world of the jungle of the, what you could call the abyss like the abyss of like um, wanting to be the toughest baddest man and, and violence and all that it is an abyss and you'll find the edge, you'll find the limit. It'll or it'll find you. you. Yeah. yeah, like like there is a point where the, you, like, the plank stops and it is just endless darkness where you, you're inconsequential in that and there is no being uh, more than that. You're just a human and you're just like, you know, I could have died so many times um, in some of those situations, you know. And and to touch on that, you know, that, that that's the other thing about courage like some of the things that I've seen with people is like when I did my my one time um, full contact competitive karate fight because I just I was in Osaka and I they offered it and like, well, no foreigners have ever done this thing do you want to do it and I, I didn't even know the rules I was like yeah, yeah all right well, I'm here why not timing seems all right let's do it and I thought it would be a way more intimidating experience but um, you know because I was like oh I've never you know I've, I've sparred with pros and I've helped them get ready for, but I've never done my own thing. It was just never my thing. Um, so in my head, I was building it up like, oh, this is going to be cool. I've never like, you know, and the guy, he'll be trained. And they said, oh, he's a champion. Blah, blah. Oh, shit. I'm all worried. And then, champion of the rule set. And yeah, but, but on the day, what happened was like, I thought I'd be, it was like nothing. I wasn't even bothered because it's like when you've been in a situation where like, you imagine we're chatting now exactly this energy, how we are, and you get and we sprint out the front. You and me, we sprint out there and when we get out there, there's 12 guys with weapons smashing the shit out of our, our friends. 
and we're just it's on we're in it and it's that level of danger and we're just like like you could die now and it was just on and you were there and you do that enough and you learn how to reconcile that very quickly so you learn how to just go turn off the part of you that goes oh my god danger i might die and you just don't need it it's not going to help me right now it becomes a skill that you master and what i found was when i did the fight um the guy is like and you could see he was like pan and i was like oh this is just like mild like mild stress like i i, I deal with worse than this on a, on a weekend anytime i get a call to something because the unknown of like i've got to run towards something that might kill me and it might be an old man raising raising his voice <laughs> or it might be a group of dudes with machetes like that as soon as i get there that, that's going to come they're going to go oh security yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then i'm going to be the one in it i'm not going to i'm not going to have the luxury of just like not engaging just my presence will make me a target yeah. so everything that you've described to me man is like it's the scale that i've been referring to and i think it's important for us to get i out. lost that fire by the way i just like <laughs> yeah no because you, you told me about it because uh there's ring out rules kind of like in wrestling how there's ring yeah out yeah, rules. yeah. Like he's going to score points if he can push you out of bounds essentially yeah but what yeah. they did in the end was i lost by technical knockout even though he hadn't hit me <laughs> so i just was out of bounds and i was like trying to say to the ref like are you am i because i stepped on some people and i was like oh do we you know and then they were just like ah oh, they thought i was i think they thought i was like sort of trying to discombobulate yeah, yeah and then yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. stopped it and it was funny because my wife was more, way more upset oh me. it's like losing by advantage in jiu-jitsu she's yeah. yelling at them and she's like did you see how happy he was like what <laughs> uh winning and losing is part and parcel but yeah i mean but these things but, but, but it comes back to our point of how these things are really all unrelated things like they they are they, they are unrelated things and it's the first point being the last point and being the continuous loop of context yeah right it's it's everything that we've been translating is context. So one of the things that you would have commonly run into, and one of the things that people are always gonna to point to is, do these things work in real life? But they've kind of got it backwards, right? So what, what you've explained to me and what I've been hearing, because I've really been trying to intake what you're saying and try and make it linear, make a, mm -hmm. make a linear timeline or At least plot. one of us is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I'm trying to rationalize it because I know that it would be difficult for a lot of people to do so. So this is not necessarily a case of you translating your techniques to real life situations. These are techniques that are from real life. Yes. This is your experiences in your life that is, that is breathed into life, your current day teachings as a Hapkido instructor. Yeah. And further to that point, that's where it came from initially as yes, well. As yeah. it came from... It's what it's supposed to be yeah. too. But it, it's so just... you have, in that way, a unique perspective. And I would assert that it's probably not common and it's probably not across the board. And that's, you know, you've echoed yeah, that sentiment yeah. as well that if you walk into, you know, 10 different self-defense schools, you might get 10 different ideologies and one of them might be applicable yeah. uh, in, in this day and age. And, and hey, that could be said for MMA as well. That could be said for MMA as well, but that, and again, I, you know, I have to advocate for the people who are not necessarily so educated. They're going to have reasonable thoughts about knife disarms and gun disarms that they have to, it's going to be a harder gap for them to bridge. Yeah. And unless and they've lived it, it's going to be well, very, but you don't want I them to live it. it you I know just, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, I don't, like I, um, yeah. I hate violence. I've seen so much of it. 
So it's making Anyone, those distinctions. You've That's got, and you've got to be you've got to be cooked to want it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know, like and, and here's the thing, and I'm sure and we touched on this is like when you were competing and like when you're in that place where you're actively seeking those sorts of things, you're not mentally and spiritually you're not you're not aligned. Good. You're not aligned. You're not, yeah, you're not a good. You're not in a good. It's generally you're seeking something. I mean, like it's that. no coincidence that a lot of the, the champs have like childhood traumas, rough <laughs> upbringings. They come from bad environments, and and they're basically trying to use violence as their therapy. Yeah. You know, and then and then they get a coach who feeds that. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tyson. Well, they might even just be using training as their therapy. Yeah. Like the active physical exercise to work out their demons. But, if it's, you know, but, but, if but there's it's degrees not, of it. If you don't have good teaching and good, yeah. med- it, it 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 makes it worse rather than. So the thing that is resounding is that in the modern era, there's people train things for different reasons, yeah. right? And and as you say, you know, I, I I'll advocate for myself in this regard. There's something that put me in the position where I sought out a situation where I needed to fight other men in the cage. Yeah. That was my goal. That was my desire. That was my drive. There was something in my life, something in my heart, something in my soul or even in my brain that led me to that path. And, and walking that path and exiting that path yeah. allowed me to align myself to understand why. Yeah. Right? But... Moving on from that, that need, moving that on need, from that, that idea, need to right? prove, though. Yeah, yeah the, the need to prove is there, but hopefully with understanding it won't be in the future, Yeah, right? For everyone who walks that yeah, path, exactly. because it, you, it, it gets out of you. Well, I don't, get, I don't have get, any yeah. need to prove myself. And we get here now because of that, yeah. like because we kind of, whatever we were trying to resolve, we've resolved it, we can sit here now as friends and chill. I, I agree. But I, what I would assert is, resoundingly for me, that is not the greatest percentage of why people walk in the door to an academy in the first place. Okay, Maybe if they present to fight, but literally 10% of the people who walk in the doors at Trinity MMA present to fight. They all present to learn. And what they gain from an art like jiu-jitsu, what they gain from something like wrestling or the combat sports, aspects of combat, is a community. Yes. A community of like-minded people who don't want to hurt them, yep. who actually want to aid them. Which is a traditional dojo. It, it, that's exactly what exactly. it is. So it is the same thing. Yep. So I'm, we're, sort of, we're sort of getting words, towards man. the end of the podcast now. And I really wanted to like bring it to a place of understanding and also bring it to a, to a place of positivity as well. Yep. In the modern era, what you and I can do, the best possible thing that we can afford a student who walks in the door is a community of positive and like-minded people. And if we utilize our experiences in the sport or in the art or in life in order to bring that about, then we're doing our job effectively. I think maybe one to three people that I've interacted with are going to make it to the UFC. And in my head right now, I know exactly who they are. The rest of them, what I can really give them is afford them a pathway to be the best version of themselves that they can attain. And then translate that to the people around them. It makes me very happy, very, very happy when students present to me with the feedback that they are happy and they're in a positive place and they value the same things that I value. So even though we're teaching techniques that are lethal, less lethal, that need distinctions, that need context, that have consequences, all these types of things, consent, no consent, fight, no fight. It all comes back to positivity 
and community. That is what's going to yeah, keep you in. Yep. The ego and the drive and the working out the demons might bring you in the door, yep. but the positivity and the community will keep you in it long after you've worked those See, things I completely out. agree. And, and here's what I think a lot of people need to understand with the traditional martial arts is that, because that's fundamentally what it's about, but that's where the art comes in. So in that process of um, community, self-development, like that's where trying to perfect the movements and perfect the art um, for the sake of the art. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm all about. Yeah, you know what so I mean? that's yeah. what I mean. So like the way that you are and everything you describe is a traditional martial artist. You are running a traditional dojo like a traditional dojo as a traditional martial artist. It's just happens to be MMA and yeah. but but the, the the parts are the same thing. So the the misunderstanding people have like when you have the gear and you wear the belts and you do the it's like the like I said to you before the 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 first lesson of self-defense is taught to you by Budo. What Budo is teaching you is the first exponent of um, self-defense is don't be an asshole. Mm. Don't be a shit person and you're, you're 80% of the way there. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, like if, you, if, you're, if you are what the, uh, the virtues of Bushido, which funnily enough are the same fundamentals of chivalry, mm. you know, all these warrior codes arrived at the same conclusions. I always teach to my students is that they're warning labels it's not a it's not a romantic idea of oh that'd be good to be humble. It's mm. saying be humble or else. Yeah. Be courageous or else. Have respect or else. Um, but what all that's teaching you is when you exemplify those virtues, like your troubles will dissipate. Like you won't attract negativity, mm. you won't attract violence, you won't be the type of person that's creating this kind of negative karma that puts you in the environments where these things happen or attracts these sorts of things. It's potentially one of the best lessons that any human being can learn at the end of the day. And fighting and all that other shit is like second side effect of like, yeah, the, the way I teach it to the guys is like, look, the, the physical combative stuff is like the ritual that we use in the pursuit of like spiritual and self-development. Um, I believe it should be functional. So I believe that like the next layer of the tier should be that you should be able to actually defend yourself because that just makes sense. Um, and then for me personally, the, the, the fighting level of things is like, um, I don't personally have any, like, I don't care whose dick's bigger. I don't, I don't need to. Mine is huge. Uh, just so you know. I'm all good. But, um, <laughs> it, but it's... <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's like I don't I don't need to win a title, I don't need to fight people, um, like like for me personally and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing or that that's I'm just saying for me personally that's not and I don't even offer that. Like I, I say if people want to compete, go to Trinity, go to MMA. It's like that's where you'll learn it and that's what it's good for. What I'm teaching is self self perfection and self protection. Basically that's it. In a, that's in, a great. in a classical yeah. With class, yeah. classical philosophies and, and like all that good shit. And that's great, man. And it's, and it's fantastic. You, that... What we do are not at odds. They're not yeah, actually... they're not at odds. Yeah, and that's, that's legitimately what I was just about to say. It's fantastic that we can sit here in front of each other and understand that about each other and not be adversarial and not be at odds. Yeah. And there will be... So <laughs> oh, look, as I said before, reasonable, unreasonable. Is it unreasonable for them to disagree with us? Probably not, to be honest with you, man. Like, people are going to listen to this podcast. We've laid it out as best we can. Yeah. Uh, 
as, as respectfully as we can, but if people want to take it the way they want to take it, then they will. Is it unreasonable or reasonable for them to do so? That's really not for us to say. They will make their own observations and come to their own conclusions, and that's okay as well. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is that the community that we have a hand in cultivating is a positive one and yeah, is a positive environment. And I know that that's what you endeavor to do, and I know that's what I endeavor to do. Yeah, and we're and both still students too. Exactly, one hundred percent. I learn so much from my I come own here students. And get tapped on the mat, you wrestle the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> it's great fun, man. I, I I'm sorry about my I'm... spindly, bendly <laughs> limbs. That doesn't make sense. But hey, that's, that's what I'm all about. And look, as I look back, that's why I've become a historian now. Because yeah. as I look back into the history of grappling, my preference, my bias, it becomes even more enthralling for me. Well, my, because a, I become a student again. A good wrap-up point on this would be, you know, in the long term, as a, as a, as a, because the way we... we Budo and Bushido and things like that are it, and, and the, the do part on the character is the, the way, a lifestyle, a, yeah. a way of being. Um, like, you know, in the scope of your entire life, why do you, why are you doing it and why do you do it? And this is what starts to unpack just quickly is like, you know, fighting, you've got a few years where you can peak, maybe you've got a mean. Jab cross, <laughs> yeah, yeah, body, yeah. jab cross, body shot, low kick. And you're athletic and aggressive and you win a few fights doing that. And now you're injured, you get old, you can't fight anymore. So that's done. The self-defense stuff, a couple of years, you can understand it, get your head around it, be proficient. Okay, cool, I kind of get how that works. Now what? And this is where the artistry comes in. This yeah. is what I think people lose track of, of what you said before. Of like, It's okay to like things, to yeah. love things and do things. Not everything that we do. Um, at Okami is like for the purpose of practical combat application some things are to do with uh, like you're trying to master certain feats of physical discipline so some of the jump spin kicking uh, yeah maybe you can use that but it's not done for that some of the, the specific drop sweep kicks that we do uh, because they're done differently in different um, derivatives of Hapkido and we're trying to master that mm. to keep the art together yeah. for the sake and of look, development. It's exactly the same as a jiu-jitsu translation to MMA, right? Yep. People aren't doing barambolos, people aren't doing imanari rolls into heel hooks in MMA all the time. It's a rarity. It's a lower percentage technique. Yep. The higher percentage mm -hmm. techniques of the But it's not why you do it. Yeah, that's it. It's not why we're doing and it. And in we're the entirety not... of your life, and, and I would say as the older you get and the more experienced you get, it becomes more focused towards the art yeah. than just these these applications of it yeah 100 like. man i'm intently focused on the analytical i'm a technical person when i teach i break things down to anatomy because that's the way i am that's the way that's how deep and how detailed i look into it because i'm passionate about it yeah. and i love it does that mean i'm gonna try and use it all the time no it means yeah. that's what i like and that's what i love because it's it's given so much to me mm. that i have a platform to give back yeah, hundred percent, man. That's what it is too. It's giving. It's like yeah. you, when you're, especially when you're the teacher, your sole mode of function is just to endlessly give and give and give. And... and it's a nice metamorphosis in your life to have the opportunity to take from being a selfish athlete or a potentially egotistical yeah. guy on the living on the edge <laughs> to being humbled, to yeah. being humbled and then living selflessly and giving back. And and and, and it's like I um. 
kind of picked with you is that that, that progression, like you would have come from something toxic and hit a dead end that would have had pretty dire consequences. Like oh yeah, we both had the same the same yeah. story arc where we came at it different ways, but it was this kind of ego driven, incorrect alignment that that almost killed us and like led to a bad, <laughs> like led to and and then it. But do you think we're alone? Evolved. Do you think no, we're alone? No, I believe that is the progression. Yeah, though. that's yeah. that's almost the resounding progression. But I think um, I think that well, I hope that people who listen to this, people who eventually watch this, they'll be entertained as, as, as a first point. Hopefully I've said some funny stuff. I probably look pretty funny on camera as well, so maybe get a lucky kick out of that. I need a haircut, whatever. But hopefully short it's time, been... Short time, tiny yeah, tiny. Scars and money. Um, but it could also have been potentially informative and people could get a better understanding of both our perspectives and I hope that this spawns some really nice conversation, yeah, uh, some really respectful conversation, and some really respectful interactions. Again, well, don't expect here. it. Don't expect no, it. People are going to think what they're going to think. They're yeah. going to say what they're going to say, and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. But as long as we can continue along this path and, and people can understand why, then I think we've done a half-decent job. Hell Do you yeah, agree? Man. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome job. Guys, stay tuned because we're going to be back. Same bat time, same bat channel for all the bat fans out there.